Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. It's easy to take stuff for granted, isn't it? But uh, we do have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, We do. We really do. And you're like, it's 2020. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. I know. Uh, It's Thanksgiving week, and of course, you know, that includes all the things. And to be honest with you, this Thanksgiving feels a little bit different than any other, um, than than I can remember in my lifetime, anyway. It's um, it's very odd. Um, I have a lot to be thankful for, but there still just seems like, just I don't know, just kind of different. I know family plans look different for a lot of people right now. It looks different for my family right now. that's all I'm going to say about that, because I know I probably have some family watching online right now. <laughs> but it's just, uh, you know, people are in different places. Uh, but we, again, like I said, we do have a lot to be thankful for. And what I'd like to do right now is write some thank you notes. You guys ever, uh, I haven't seen this segment in a long time. I actually haven't seen the show in a long time. But on Jimmy Fallon, he takes a segment of the show sometimes and he writes thank you notes. And so I'd like to write some Thanksgiving thank you notes right now, if that's okay with you guys. So we're going we're gonna to just do that right now. Thank you, cranberry sauce, for combining my two favorite things, cranberries and foods that are shaped like a can. Yeah, that's good. All right, here's the next one here. Thank you. Thank you, people who own electric carving knives, for letting us know that you had a wedding registry in the 1970s. Thank you, kids' table at Thanksgiving, for being a fun reminder that people are waiting for you to die so they can move up. Thank you, second cousins, for being strangers that we have to hug. Yeah, right? <laughs> Thank you, Tofurky, for being how Snoop Dogg says the word turkey. <laughs> Last one right here. Thank you, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, for turning 96 this year which probably explains why your balloons were almost touching the ground. Here we go. Some of y'all will get that on the way home when your wife tells you what that's about. Sometimes we just need to laugh, right? We just need to laugh. You know, Proverbs 17, 22 says that laughter is good like a medicine. So we we're, have a lot to be thankful to God for. We have a, I have a lot to be thankful to this church family for. And uh, I, I just want to take just a minute to just share some things on my heart about what I'm thankful for, even though that really this, this entire message is not about that. 
Uh, I'm thankful to God for my health. Amen. I'm thankful to God for the health of my family. Uh, I'm thankful to God that I don't have to walk in fear, uh, but we walk in wisdom. I'm thankful to God that um, there's not been, I know that there's been health issues in our community and in the Seeds Church family uh, throughout the year where people, praise God, have recovered or are on their way to recovery. I'm thankful that not like one single case of COVID-19 has been traced back to a Seeds gathering. Praise God. Not one. Uh, I'm thankful for uh, my mental health. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm thankful to God that uh, as I encourage myself in the Lord, that I'm not losing it mentally right now in this crazy year that we've had. A lot of people are, but thank God, I'm, I'm thankful for my mental health. I'm thankful for a roof over my head and food on the table. I'm thankful for a washing machine, right, and a lawnmower and all the things. I, I, let's not take those things for granted. I just saw something the other day that said something like, man, if you have more than $4,000 to your name, you are richer than 80% of the world. You know, that's some perspective right there. So praise God. I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful for um, um, my wife who has made sure we have done all these home improvements through 2020 with all the extra time that we've had. <laughs> thankful for all the home improvements. And it's amazing how that works. It's like the list just never gets smaller. It's like you'd think that you get all these things done and the list gets smaller, but it doesn't. But I'm still thankful. Um, I'm thankful for my, my family. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my children who, like many of us, have been through a lot this year. And we're still together. We're still, we're, you know, we're growing together. We're, we're closer maybe than we've ever been. And part of that is because the Lord has used those hard times and we've, we've, Instead of falling away from each other, we've fallen to each other and to the Lord. And I'm thankful for that. Yes, it is. We are stronger. And, 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 and I'll say this. I had a nice Thanksgiving message planned. You know, it was all nice and sweet and talking about how we should be grateful and not take things for granted. Grateful people, not entitled people. And it was, it was good, you guys. It was awesome. It was great. In about 4.30 in the afternoon yesterday, I just felt like um, that wasn't what we were supposed to talk about today. And I just felt really impressed by the Lord to go to Ephesians chapter 4, and we need to end the year the way we started it. What did we say? 2020 is the year of? That's right. 2020 is the year of strong families at Seeds Church. That's the, the, the theme of this year, and we've, we've kind of... Um, not had a strong family message in quite a few months, and I felt very prompted to come back to this, and we've been in the book of Ephesians a lot for this series, and so as I'm reading Ephesians chapter 4 today, um, we just want to ask the Lord to speak to us and ask us, ask the Lord to give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, amen? So let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Um, that you have, you are our sustainer, God, that you are faithful. Even sometimes when we are not faithful, it doesn't change your character, your nature, your position. You are faithful. You can't help but being faithful. You can't stop it. It's just who you are. Lord, when we sing, you keep on getting better, it's, it's not that you literally keep on getting better. You're already better. It's that our understanding of you keeps on getting better. 
God, and our, our awareness of how good you are keeps getting better and better and better. And we thank you, God. We thank you that you're a generous God. And God, we pray that today that as we open up the word and as we listen to what it is that your spirit is saying to us about our strong families, God, no matter what our situation is today, whether we're in here and we're married or whether we're single, whether we're divorced or widowed, whether we're, you know, uh, 17 or 70, God, we thank you that you're building a strong family. You're building strong families in our, uh, in, in our physical families, God, but also in our spiritual family. You're building strong families. So speak to us today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Real quickly, let's go back to this definition that we've been using for what does it mean to be a strong family. And I do realize this. I realize that there's a lot of us, we've, we've heard this about 13 times at least. Uh, but there's some of us who this is the first time. So this is the definition that we're using when we talk about a strong family. And let's just read this together. A strong family is a group of people that may or may not be related to one another by blood or marriage, but are committed to each other, love each other, and take care of each other, having the power to succeed through demanding circumstances, withstanding great pressure, staying firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or affected. So when we're talking about a strong family, the strong family that God wants to build at your address where you live and also here in this church family and really at the, in, in our, the church at large, this is what we're talking about. This is the definition. It means we're going to love each other, take care of each other. We've got the power to succeed through demanding circumstances. It's not power that we have in ourselves, but it's the power that we draw from the power of the Holy Spirit working in us because of Jesus. We're, we can withstand great pressure. We can stand and stay firmly established without being disturbed, upset, or affected. And thank God, right? Because there's been a lot of disturbing and a lot of upsetness and a lot of things that could have affected us this year. But we're still here, amen? We have a lot to be thankful for, amen? And you know what? When we're doing this and we're, we're leaning into this, the devil doesn't like it. You know? What is the little kid song? If the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack, right? Well, I want to do more than the devil to sit on a tack. I want to hurt him a lot more than that because he wants to hurt us a lot more than that. When we're leaning into not being disturbed or upset or affected, when we're talking about loving each other and caring for each other through any kind of circumstance, man, that messes with him because he knows, man, if they can be a strong family, then then I don't have a way to get in and disrupt. Because you know what? The enemy hates you. He hates you because you are created in the image and likeness of God. And you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you because Jesus is Lord of your life. And he hates God and he hates us, the family of God. But you know what? We don't have to be, we don't have to be shaken by that because Jesus is not shaken. So if Jesus isn't shaken, I'm not going to be shaken. We are not going to be shaken. Right? Because it's not just about me, it's about we. I can't have a family by myself. If you are single in here, we love you and we count you part of our family. The big, the, the church family, the Seeds Church family. It's important. And so, I honestly feel in talking with some others and some things that have been going on 
over the last month, we feel like, man, the enemy is really coming against our church. And I'm not just singling out our church. I'm sure the enemy is coming against a lot of churches as they are building strong family churches all across the city and across this nation and across this world. But we are feeling it. And I don't want to, I don't want to just sit back and let it happen because I don't have to. We don't have to just sit and let the enemy attack us. And, and, and so we have authority. We have power that we can walk into. And so as we are sensing things, as we are seeing things increase like in the spiritual warfare in the last month or so, I've touched on, I've said some things from time to time. One of the things I've said is this. I said, we have to be aware that, that not everybody that is being used by the enemy is the enemy. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? This is a spiritual fight. But sometimes that spiritual fight looks like a human being's face across from us. And what we've got to do is we've got to put on the love of God and demonstrate the love of God and separate that person from the way that maybe they're being used by the enemy. And by God, I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ sometimes too. We see these kinds of things happen all throughout the New Testament. Things in the disagreements in the church where the enemy is trying to get in, get in and, and put a, a, a division or a wall or a divide or a wedge between believers in the church. And we're just going to say, hey, we're, we're not going to be party to that. We're not going to allow that. And so here are some of the things that I feel that the enemy is trying to come at us. And I'm not saying it's limited to this, but these... these these things right here is what I'm, I'm feeling. I'm feeling an attitude or spirit of rejection and insecurity in some people. I'm feeling an attitude of pride and arrogance. And when I say in some people, I don't mean it's the people. I mean it's the spirit at work. And then for, the, for the evil spirits to work, then we have to just come into agreement with the lie that they're telling us, okay? So rejection, insecurity, pride and arrogance and manipulation and control. And so, these are the things that we're intentionally praying against, and I talked to someone about this Wednesday, this last Wednesday night at our prayer and worship meeting. And uh, I felt like the, the Lord reminded me of a tool in our tool belt. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus and three of the disciples were up, and they're having this, up on this mountain, they're having this encounter where they actually encounter Moses and Elijah. And this, this, this um, encounter in Scripture is called, you know, the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter's all excited, and he's like, God, Jesus, let's never leave this place. We're going to just build some altars right now, and we'll never leave. We'll never come down. It'll be great. Jesus is like, dude, you're missing the whole point. <laughs> so they come down the mountain, and immediately from this incredible mountaintop spiritual experience, they are immediately met with, um, they're met with opportunity, <laughs> which comes in the, in the form of adversity almost. And there's a crowd of people gathered, and there's a man there, and he has had some issues with his son, but it's not the son, it's the demon that's been tormenting his son. And there's a demon that's residing in his son, and this man is like, Jesus, please help my son. The, the, he, he is thrown into the fire and burnt. He, the, the demon is trying to throw him into the water, 
and he has convulsions and he has, you know, seizures. And, and the enemy is trying to burn my son. The enemy is trying to drown my son. He's trying to just disrupt our entire life through this. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't help me. Mm. And Jesus gets a little upset. And he says, uh, are you kidding me? How long am I going to have to put up with you people? And he's not talking about, he's talking to the disciples. He's not talking to the man with the demon-possessed son. He's talking to the disciples. He says, man, you faithless generation. And everybody wants to just paint Jesus all the time. It was like Jesus, meek and mild, sweet-mannered. Sometimes Jesus was mean and wild. <laughs> and in this moment, Jesus rebuked them. He says, how long am I, if you don't believe me, look it up. It's there, Matthew 17. Start reading in verse 19. He says, how long am I have to put up with this? So Jesus cast the demon out of the boy, and pff, issue resolved. Well, not for the disciples. The disciples are like, Jesus just gave us a whooping in front of everybody. We need to follow up with this. So they go to Jesus. Say, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? Why could we not cast the demon out of this boy? And Jesus just said, you, you didn't have enough faith. If you had enough faith, just a small amount as a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, be thou removed, and it would. And then if you're reading in a lot of modern translations right here in Matthew 17, it goes verse 19, verse 20, verse 22. You're like, what's up with that? Where's verse 21? Well, they, they've got it as a footnote at the bottom of that chapter. And the reason they have that as a, at a footnote is because uh, there was only some original manuscripts that had this next line, and others didn't. So the Bible translators were trying to be honest and say, okay, we're going to put it in a, at a footnote, but because it's not in all of the, all of the uh, manuscripts, you know, we're not going to put it as an actual verse. But if you go and you read this same account in Mark chapter 9, it has part of it there. And this is what Jesus said. So they're saying, why, why Jesus? Why couldn't we cast out? He says, you didn't have enough faith. If you had as, as much faith as just a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, be removed. And then Jesus says this. He says, some of these things, some of these spirits don't come out without prayer and fasting. Tool in the tool belt right there tool in the tool belt. I'm telling you guys, we do not have to put up with the enemy's garbage. We do not have to put up with the enemy's attack. We have a tool in our tool belt called prayer and fasting. And we, sometimes we just, it's like, you know, Batman and his utility belt. And, you know, it's, you're watching the old Batman show back from the 60s and, and 70s, you remember? And all of a sudden, like, they're in this precarious situation, and Robin is like, Batman, how are we going to get out of this? And all of a sudden, Batman pulls his tool out you've never seen before in any other episode. And he's like, this is what, you know, we've got this tool. It's going to and get us out of the situation. It's like, I've never seen that before. And we've got prayer and fasting on our utility belt. And we need to pull it out and use this thing and not just let the enemy happen to us. And not just let 2020 happen to us, but we can take background. You know, when the, Jesus was with the, with the uh, disciples at Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus says um, 
to the disciples. He says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, well, uh, some people say that you are like Elijah. Some people say you're Moses. Some people say you're John the Baptist. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, yes, Peter. And you didn't hear this on social media. <laughs> you didn't hear this on CNN or Fox News. You didn't hear this because somebody told you. You, heard, you, you know this because the Father has revealed it to you. And Peter, I say you're a rock, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, some people mistake that, and they just think, well, Jesus built the church on Peter. No, he's talking about the revelation of who he is, of who Jesus is. That's what the rock, that's the firm foundation. And then Jesus says this. He says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You know what gates are? Let me ask you this. When I'm getting ready to go to the battlefield, do I bring gates with me? No. Gates are not a weapon. Gates are a defense. And we always think, well, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And we think that, well, the, the enemy is not going to prevail against us. That's not what the scripture says. It says the, the, the territory that we are taking back, the enemy cannot prevent us from doing that. The enemy has no defense against us because we are building our lives and our community on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. He is the, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And the gates of hell, the defense of hell, cannot hold back the church, cannot keep the church from advancing. So church, I'm inviting you for the next few days. You're like, oh my gosh, we're entering into Thanksgiving week. I know what he's going to say. I'm inviting you to pray and fast with me. And listen, this is not some new concept at Siege Church, right? Fasting is not a new concept here. We've built fasting into the regular rhythm of our, our years. There's two, two different times of the year where we fast and pray together corporately, not including the ones that some of us do on our own by ourselves. But we do at least two corporate fasts a year. And I'm just saying for the next few days, join me as we take background and the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Let's pray and fast together. And that is, might look different for Casey than it looks like for me. But there's something the Holy Spirit, as you engage Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what can I fast? He can, he can speak to you. He can, that, you don't have to check in with me and tell me what it is, okay? But let's, let's engage in this and let's not let the enemy take ground on us, but let's take enemy away from, from him or let's take ground away from the enemy, amen? So, strong families. We're doing good. We might get to go home early even. <laughs> let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. And let's, let's read about how we can continue being a strong family. Strong family where you live, it's your address your blood, your DNA, but also strong family here, which is actually mostly of what Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus about right here. Ephesians chapter 4, 
Uh, Paul is writing this from a Roman prison. And he says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life that's worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. This might actually take us a while. Sorry, Russell. <laughs> Live a life worthy of your calling. You have been called by God. You do not need to second guess or question God has called you. He sees you. You are important to him, and you are important to this family. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Let's rewind. Verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Church, there are lots of opportunities this year, whether it's within our church family, whether it's with uh, friends in, our, in the community, coworkers, just neighbors, people in our community, people in your family. There's a lot of opportunity to not be in unity, especially this year. There's so much division over so many things. Social distancing, wearing masks, racial division, politics. That's just like the stuff that is rising to the top. That's not counting all the stuff that was here before 2020. And there's all kinds of opportunity to not be in unity. But Paul says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Sometimes we think, yeah, we'll be in unity, but it ain't going to be peaceful. That's not what Paul says. Make every effort, which means you've got to fight for it sometimes. It's not just, unity does not come by accident. It does not happen just like the Big Bang or something. You know, bang, and all of a sudden there's unity. Bang, and all of a sudden there was the earth. Make every effort. We've got to work for it. And Paul gives us this, uh, this visual here. There's one body. There's one body of Christ. There's one spirit. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one hope. There's one future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who's over all, in all, and living through all. What does this mean? It means... If we're going to add to the list of what it looks like to be a strong family, it means strong families are unified. Strong families. You want your family to be stronger than it is today, then get in unity. We want this church family to be stronger than it ever has been to, so that the enemy does not encroach upon us, but that we encroach and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Then we need to be in unity. 
And Paul says, sometimes we're going to have to fight for it. Verse 7, he says, however, he's given each one of us a special gift. So, so verses 1 through 6, Paul is setting up this whole idea, this concept of the church and also your family at home. Because if we read on, we, we understand he starts talking about some family dynamics. So he's talking about the importance of unity here in these first six verses. And then the rest of this chapter, he's telling us, here's the formula. Here's how you get there. Here's how you get from uh, point A, where everything's kind of chaotic or scattered, where there's division and there's disagreement. And you know that you can still have unity even in disagreement. I mean, it's not the easiest thing, but it can happen. Come on now, husbands and wives. <laughs> I know what that was about. <laughs> I was just talking to Ed yesterday. We were talking about something, and I said, hey, this is where I think Jamie has something different to think about this than I do. And, but that's okay. We're not divided. You think differently than I do than on some things, but we're still in unity. And, uh, and so he's saying, hey, this is important. We've got to be in unity. Be in unity in the church. Be in unity in your family. And now the rest of the chapter is, here's how. So each one of us uh, is a special gift through the generosity of Christ. I love that. Because I think that, you know, we're in the season of thanksgiving and thankfulness. And thankfulness and generosity are two things that are so closely tied together. And Christ is so generous. And then verse 8, Paul says, that's why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives, of captives and gave gifts to his people. Verse 9, notice that he, it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Can somebody say, praise God? Yes. There's no one higher than Christ. No one above him. No one even comes close. We serve a magnificent king of kings and lord of lords. Verse 11. All right, we're getting here. Here comes how, how we get in unity. There are gifts that Jesus, that Christ, gave to the church. What are those gifts? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are these gifts supposed to do? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Not their responsibility is to do all the work. And you sit back and you watch them do it. No. Their responsibility is to equip you so that you are doing the work. Their, their job is to build up the church, the body of Christ, so that you, the rest of us, all of us, can go and be the body of Christ to the world, that we can minister to the world. In verse 13, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Sounds like to me that this is going to be a process that we keep going and doing for a long time because there's always room for more unity and there's always room to mature more amen you have not reached the top of the ladder yet my friend <laughs> there is another rung 
when, you, when you're talking about uh, searching the, the things of God, you cannot scrape the bottom of the barrel. There is no bottom of the barrel with God. It just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And, uh, and, and so our opportunity to grow as disciples is going to just keep continuing. I don't care if you're nine years old or 90 years old. There's room for maturity and continue to grow and, until the full and complete standard of Christ till we measure. Then we'll no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We see a lot of that going on. A lot of people, they just hear the new thing, and man, they jump on that, on that wagon, and they're on that for as long until they hear the next new thing, and then they jump on that wagon. But Paul says, be, be more mature than that. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies that are so clever, they sound like truth. Ooh, that's good. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of what we were talking about last week, about rational lies. Like, we rationalize things. I got that from, from Ed, and we were talking at the men's breakfast last Saturday, and he says, man, we, we mess up, and we start rationalizing. We listen to rational lies. We believe rational lies from the enemy. And, man, there are all, are all kinds of things. They sound so clever. All kinds of philosophy, all kinds of, 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 uh, of thought and idea out there. And they're like, man, this sounds so great. This sounds so eloquent. This sounds so woke. But Paul says, don't, don't just listen to just things that sound like the truth that they're so clever. Instead, we're going to speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, I'm going to ask a question from you. Where do we find, if we're going to speak truth in love, where do we find it? If we're going to speak truth in love, then we need to be in love with God's word. We need to hide it in our hearts so that we shouldn't sin against him, is what Psalm says. If we're going to speak the truth in love, then we've got to know the truth in love. Amen? Got to be people of his word. And so we're going to speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. Thank God that Jesus is the head of the church. Again, I, man, I just, Ed, you should just come up here and preach this sermon with me. This is, we were talking yesterday, and you just said, well, it's, well, it's his church. It's Jesus' church. Yes, thank God. This is Jesus' church. His church is not my church. It's not Pastor Russell's church. It's Jesus' church. The same for the church down the street. The same for the church over across the state line. Same for the church on the other side of the world. It's Jesus' church. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Man, that sounds like what we've been talking about in our Rooted series, right? Being healthy, growing, full of love so that we bear much fruit that lasts. Verse 17, with the Lord's authority, I say this. That's, that's Paul saying in, New, in King James, that's like, thus saith the Lord right there, okay? I don't know if you ever grew up in a church like that, but uh, that's a thus saith the Lord. What I'm about to say, you better listen. He says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they're hopelessly confused. He's like, this is what the world out there, and he's not talking about the Gentiles who are part of the body of Christ now, because the church in Ephesus were Gentiles 
but now they have been grafted into the family of God. And he talks a lot about that in the first chapter, actually, of this, of this book of Ephesians, chapter 1. It's pretty awesome. And he talks about our identity in Christ, too. So you should go read that, Ephesians chapter 1. So he says this. He says, Don't be like the world, for they're hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Well, I mean, we see that everywhere in our culture today. But the sad thing to me is, is that I see believers that buy into that. They see that and they expose themselves to more of the influence of the world than they do the influence of the Spirit or the influence of the Word. And Paul says, don't do that. Stay away from that. Their, their heart and their minds are closed and their heart is hardened against God. And if you just hop in and, and go in and go with the flow and get in the river and tube down the river with everybody else, then you're going to end up with a closed mind and a hard heart toward Jesus. Verse 20, he says, but that's not what you learned from Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, take off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, if I had thought about this, I would have done this We've prepared better for this illustration, but I just had this pop into my mind just now as I'm reading this. There's this picture. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature to create it to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We've got the new merch over there today. That's cool. I'm not preaching about that. What I'm saying is, if I were to go over there and try on a shirt... Um, if I were to just go do that now and put that over this shirt, it wouldn't fit right. It would be weird and frumpy and kind of awkward. So if I'm really wanting to know what the, this is a good fit, now I'm not asking everybody to take their clothes off before they try on the new merch. Please don't do that. Please just hold it up and, and do your best guess of judging if this is going to fit me. Okay. But if I truly, how, how many if you've been to the store and you bought something, but you didn't try it on at the store, but you went home and you took off your clothes and you put on that thing and you're like, okay, this fit, this works. Sometimes you put it on and go, this didn't fit exactly the way I thought it would, and you have to take it back. But if you don't, you don't put it on on top of what you're wearing now, because that doesn't work. And sometimes we try to put on the new nature without taking off the old nature. We got to take off the old nature. We got to abandon it. We got to come out of agreement with the old nature. Wherever we, wherever we have been walking in the old nature, we used to say, no, uh, I come out of that. That doesn't have any hold on me. I'm not a slave to sin. I've been redeemed. I've been bought back. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of God. I'm about to sing all those lyrics to that song. And, and, uh, and so we're going to not just put that, not just going to remain with the old nature on and then put on the new nature on top, doesn't work. Doesn't fit right. Got to take off the old nature before you put on the new nature. And that doesn't always just happen overnight. That's the process called sanctification. 
That's God's process of helping you take off that old nature as you put on the new nature. And you can't do it without his help. So again, use the tool on your utility belt, prayer and fasting, as you, as you go through that. Verse 25, then Paul just kind of starts hitting some things head on. Instead of like trying to like, what exactly is he talking about, the old nature? He just spells it out for us. Verse 25. Yeah, I thought we were getting out early. <laughs> That's not, he says, he says, stop telling lies. Stop it. Some of us have been such a habit of that, it's just become part of our nature. Well, guess what? Put off the old nature. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we're all parts of the same body. I want to say this. If there's one thing that w can destroy your family as quick as anything else, it's lies. Husbands, be truthful with your wives. Wives, be truthful with your husbands. And as you're talking with your kids, discern the, the amount of truth. I'm not saying hide things from your children, but discern how you can be truthful with your children. You know, kids don't need to be exposed to everything all the time right away. But you can, you can discern. The Holy Spirit can help you. How can we share truth with them on the level that they are at? But nothing will destroy your family quick as a lie will. It'll immediately put, build a wall. It'll immediately start division. And Paul's saying, don't do it. We're part of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Now, he didn't just say, don't get angry. That's going to happen from time to time. But he says, don't let it control you. Don't let anger, don't be a slave to anger. Don't let it manipulate and control you or control the situation. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. You ever been to bed, gone to bed angry before? And uh, I don't know that Paul's literally meaning, well, you better get this right before you go to sleep. Sometimes you need to sleep. <laughs> you need to rest. But he's, the point he's trying to make is not so much the literal sense. The point he's trying to make is don't let anger take root in your heart. Don't let it sit in your heart and your mind long enough for it to t take a root and then sprout. And then become a sapling. And then become something bigger. Because it's just going to take longer and, and more work to get that thing uprooted. Take care of these things pretty quickly. Don't let a lot of time go by. If you've got anger in your heart, let's, let's deal with it. Verse 28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. It's pretty straightforward. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Again, I love that. One of the core values here at Siege Church is that we live generously. Amen. We serve a generous God, so we're going to reflect God's character and nature and everything that we do and everything that we have. We're going to be generous. And Paul's saying, yeah, when, you, when you're not a thief and you're working hard, it actually, I promise, he's saying, I promise, you're going you're to have enough to be generous with. Here's the thing about gen generous people. Generous people, they give when they have enough, but they also give even if they don't have enough. 
That's just who they are. It's just part of their character and nature. They're just generous all the time. But here's the thing about people who are thieves. They steal when they don't have enough, but they also steal when they do have enough. Just put off that old character and nature and put on the nature of Christ. Don't use foul or abusive language. Everybody, some people here were like, man, I was so good right up until he said that one. Ugh. Don't use foul or abusive language. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's difficult. But again, that's an old nature thing. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's hard sometimes. Guess what? I don't, you don't have to do it in your own power. You can draw on the power of the Holy Spirit. I have been driving to meetings where I'm going to meet with somebody. And I know what that meeting's about. And I have an inkling of what they're going to say. And man, I don't like it. I don't like what I think I'm about to hear. You know, I just start praying, God, help me feel about this the way that you feel about it. Help me think about this the way that you think about it. Help me hear what it is that they have to say the way that you hear. And then God, help me speak about this the way that you speak. And you know what? Every single time, I know that the Holy Spirit helps me to do that. You don't have to do this stuff on your own. This is not about just, well, you just gotta, you just gotta try harder. You just gotta do better. No, this is a partnership with the Holy Spirit when he's at work in your life. Verse 30, and don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Mm. You know, if you felt like you've ever brought sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you lived, you know, there's this beautiful gift in our utility belt called repentance. And we can just say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. I don't want to do this this way anymore. And the Bible tells us that if we are faithful to, if we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can somebody say praise God? Remember, Jesus, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Praise God. We are his. We belong to him. We're not... We do not belong to ourselves. We do not belong to the enemy. We do not belong to whatever, you know, business that you work at. Or, or if you've got your own business, you're not slave to that work. You're not slave to anything. We belong to God. So get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just is God through Christ has forgiven you. So God, I just pray that you would increase our awareness of how you have forgiven us. And God, as we stand and, and, and are thankful for your generosity and your, your forgiveness, God, I pray out of that that we get to draw on being able to be generous and forgiving with other people. If you go on and you read Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks more about these family dynamics, and he talks about husbands and wife relationship. And he says, uh, wives, submit to your husbands 
husbands love your wives. And then in Ephesians 6, he talks about children and how children are to respond to their parents and how fathers are to respond to their children. And then he breaks it on down and he talks about slaves and masters. And then the very last part of this letter that he writes to the church in Ephesus, he gives this word, he draws this picture, this illustration, and he draws it out of a few different places from the prophet Isaiah. And he talks about this armor that we get to put on. Now, I can just tell you this, that honestly, when I've thought for many years about putting on the armor of God, I'm just thinking about me putting my armor on, helmet of salvation, you know, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, you know, the shoes of peace, all the different things, all the different uh, pieces of the armament. And I'm just thinking, there I am. I've, I'm, I'm girded. My loins are girded with a belt of truth. King James. And, um, and there I am. But that's not, that's not the full picture. Paul, this entire time, has been talking about unity in the church. And then he starts talking about husbands and wives and children and, and slaves and masters, or we could say employees and employers. Because we don't deal with the slaves and masters thing anymore, but we still we go and serve a boss sometimes. And it's just not me standing there in my armor. It's you standing there in your armor, and you standing in your armor, and you standing in your armor. And we're a strong family, but we're a family army. And I don't have to battle by myself. And you don't have to battle by yourself. We're in it together. We're, a fa we're family. We're a family army standing against the works of the enemy. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. Would you stand to your feet? I brought, I, I was just felt led or compelled to go to this, this beautiful book that has been written called The Book of Common Prayer. And uh, I was saying, man, does the Book of Common Prayer have a prayer for unity? And sure enough, it did. And so I just want to pray this over us today. And uh, I just want you to know and believe right now. I want you to have faith in your heart that wherever you are in your family situation, whether it's your your at, at the address that you live at, the people that live under your roof, or whether it may be extended family, or whether it be the family of this, this church family right here, wherever you are in this process of being unified, just have faith now today that the Lord is doing a work and He wants you to be unified. Where there is division, He wants to break down those walls. And again, you, like I said, these, la these last few verses of this chapter are telling us how we can break down that division and get into unity. So draw on the strength of God's Word from this. But wherever you are today, God wants to do a work of unifying you with your family, unifying you with your church family, unifying you with the greater body of Christ, and ultimately just unifying you even more in, with, between you and Him, between us and Him. Would you just pray this with me? And just whatever posture of prayer that you would like to, to be in right now, whether hands raised or hands out or kneeling, 
whatever it is. Let's just pray together. I'm going to pray this, and I just ask you to join your faith with me. Oh, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our only Savior, the Prince of Peace, give us grace seriously to lay to heart the great dangers we are in by our unhappy divisions. Take away all hatred and prejudice and whatever else may hinder us from godly union and concord. That as there is but one body and one spirit, one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, so that we may be all of one heart and one soul, united in one holy bond of truth and peace, of faith and love. And may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify Thee through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God, I pray over Your people today. God, that wherever they are, they can see, Holy Spirit, you calling them to the work of unification, being unity with you and being unity in their family and being unity in this church family. Holy Spirit, help us not grow weary in well-doing, for at the right time we will reap a harvest, a harvest of unity, and we will reap the benefits of that unity. So God, where there's those of us that we may feel weak in this area, Holy Spirit, Breathe strength to us. God, were those of us that maybe could just completely failing at this, Lord, help us up. Help us to not give up. Help us to, to get back up again in your strength and power. Help us to try again. Help us to walk in humility. Help us to do these things that Paul tells us to do, to take steps towards unity. And help us to be, to, to, have, to have patience and steadfastness and be long-suffering, God, knowing that, that this just is, sometimes doesn't happen overnight, but it, it takes time. Help us by the power of your Spirit so that we truly, God, can be one and be a reflection of who you are, Jesus. That you are one with the Father and you are one with the Spirit. And that's the reflection that we want to be to this world who needs to know you. To needs to know that you are King of Kings and that you are Lord of Lords. And needs to know that they too can be grafted into the family of God. Give us strength in the name of Jesus. Give us wisdom. Give us ideas. Give us peace in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.